everyone. Thanks for joining us on the GYST podcast, where we discuss topics to help you get your together. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of your favorite podcast, the GYST podcast, also known as Get Your Shit, 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 Shit Together. Wow, that was fantastic. I'm one of your hosts for this episode, Rohit Rohila. And as well, you have Kyle Reed. So Kyle, we are marking our 150th episode. How many? 150. Can you, you believe that? You gotta be kidding me. No. I, when we started this podcast, if you would have said, what are we going to do for our 150th episode? I would have said, we're not doing 150 episodes. Yeah, we're not going to make it that far, right? No. Hell <laughs> I would have never even fathomed that. When we started this podcast... I thought podcasts had seasons. I remember, remember you, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Because the only podcasts I knew were podcasts that people that I knew listened to that was like around a TV show or something like that. Yeah. So there was a season. And I was like, is that, what do we do? So we do this for a couple of weeks and then we don't do it anymore. And we do it for a couple of months and then we stop. What? What's going on here? And here we are. And what's interesting is, um, so as you... You know, as you know, um, the audience does know, but I'm in the process of starting a, a new marketing company, a, mm. a small business, local business, social, social media, uh, social marketing company. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing tons of research into social marketing, entrepreneurship, and kind of everything. And what's interesting is before you would always learn, okay, you know, you start advertising on Facebook and, and Instagram and Pinterest and all that kind of stuff. Now, one of the major things, one of the major pushes that's that's just starting to happen now is podcasts. Mm. Um, because one, as you know, you know, 150 in, a little over three years, it's not that complicated to do. But your reach is amazing. And it really, I mean, every week to think we are putting out a half hour worth of personal development for free out there. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff, like we have spent thousands and thousands of dollars gaining this knowledge just for ourselves, and we're giving it away for free. Zero dollars and zero cents. And so it, it's, a, it's a chance to showcase our credibility and our expertise. And so by, by doing a podcast, we are already in people's eyes when it comes to the world of personal development. And if you, if you take a look, before we even started, if I said, hi, Kyle, this is my friend. I'd like for you to meet him. He's done 150 episodes of a personal development podcast. What would you think about that person? Wow. Right? Very accomplished. That's you. Say what? It's, see? I mean, it, it's different when you when you think about it that way. Because for us, we just come in, record, have fun. Yeah. But you are an expert when it comes to personal development. So I should get paid for this. You should get paid for this. Where's my check? Well, let's talk about that. I got to create my own check? <laughs> That's another episode. It's called Entrepreneurial Mindset. Oh, which we did, yeah. <laughs> uh, so with this 150 episode, we wanted to do something fun. So you know what I'm just thinking right now? Yeah. I didn't even realize it at first, right, that we were like hitting the 150 mark right mm-hmm. now. We had a really cool party for the 100th episode. We did. What are you getting me right now? We don't get to take shots? You want to do shots right now? Let's do it. Wait, you're serious? Dead serious. Heck yeah! We gotta celebrate. Oh man! Well, yeah. you gotta keep it going. Or... I'll keep it going. So, ladies and gentlemen, I boys and girls, Oreos. shots on <laughs> shots on air is something that we used to do quite a bit. We haven't done it in a while. We're not alcoholics. I promise you that we are definitely not alcoholics. But it's something we like to do. Take the edge off a little bit. Have a good time. And when we did the 100th episode, it was during I believe a Christmas party, if I remember right, that Rohit had here. And we recorded downstairs in front of this large group of people at a big celebration. And we had a celebratory shot together on air. And we just thanked everybody for showing up, being a part of the podcast, supporting us week in and week out, listening to the podcast, providing constructive feedback and really just being there for us. You know, everybody that's in our lives today is there for a reason. And we thank you for that. So as we continue to venture on this podcast journey, 150 episodes deep, I think that it's only right that we commemorate this episode with a shot. 
And my man Rohit came back with a few options. So I don't know what you like, but we've got strawberry vodka. Nope. We've got regular rum mm-hmm. and then cinnamon rum. The Appleton looks good. It reminds me of a bottle of E&J. Okay. So that, so Appleton is a very, very nice Jamaican rum. Okay. So. Sugar cane? Like most rum? Do you, Which one do you have a preference of between those two? Between which two? Oh, I'm not going to take a shot of strawberry vodka. Yeah. Um, I thought we did one. That's why I brought that. We did, but I don't like it. If so, I I would say the Captain Morgan cinnamon rum, mm-hmm. just because it. Have you had Jamaican rum before? Mm-hmm. They're all the same. Oh wait, no. I don't know. I'm guessing. Oh no, they're different depending on where they come from. It's Appleton's is good. It's it's a bit more of a. Stronger flavor rum okay. that, that has a little bit more of a kick mm-hmm. in the um, after aftermath. Mm-hmm. Whereas cinnamon rum is just a, a it's nice... It's like cinnamon whiskey, but it's rum. Yeah. So it's like the fireball version of rum. Yeah. I'm down. Let's try it. As a spiced rum. Cannon Blast it is. Okay. This is probably really boring for our audience at home, but you so know. I was just sharing with them how um, the 100th episode celebration came about. It was during a Christmas party. We recorded downstairs in front of everybody. This big group. We we're able to commemorate the episode with people that are in our lives that are important to us. Everyone that's in our lives today is in our lives for a reason, and we just wanted to thank them for the support, listening week in and week out, providing the feedback that we need to keep this thing going for y'all. And it was awesome. And I thought that with this 150th episode, you and I should commemorate it with a shot as well. Is that mine? Yep. My man. Oh, that smells strong. Yeah. So, audience, this is boring for you, but we're taking a picture. One, two, three. Boom, shakalaka. Cheers, my man. 150, bro. 150. That's delicious. Definitely unique. Easy to drink. Captain Morgan, if you would like to sponsor us. <laughs> We're going to shoot you an email. We should drink a lot of your stuff on air. So, mm-hmm. Captain Mo, Cannon Blast, baby. So with that, um, Kyle, have you introduced the episode? I have not. I was just rambling on about the 100th episode and the 150th. And okay, so we wanted to do shots. something that was a combination. We want something fun, but we also want to dive in and get really deep. But more than that... A lot of times on these deeper episodes, it's it's Kyle and I just kind of diving in deep. But we don't really teach you what we're doing because, you know, it's it's an opportunity for us just to dive in. But today, we're going to do a little bit of teaching. So with that, what we're going to do is kind of work backwards. When you have a habit that you are doing in life that you don't like, why is it that you keep doing the same thing over and over again? As Tony Robbins said, if you are not proactive about designing your life, you become you your life becomes a bunch of shoulds. Like, oh, oh I should do this or mm-hmm. I should do that. He said when you live a life of shoulds, you live a shitty life. <laughs> and a what life? A a shitty life. Are you sure you didn't say shitty? I have to think about that too. You might sure. You might have cussed. <laughs> And it's, and it's so fantastic because what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about behaviors that Kyle and I have that we don't like, or maybe we like, you know, it could, it could go either way. But what we're going to do is live on air. We're going to dissect by going backwards to tracing when that habit kind of formed um, in our, in our lives. So we're going to explore that with you guys. Follow along and do the same thing in your own life. If you are doing something that you are not proud of, oh, no, not that, but but I mean, if, if you are doing the same thing over and over again, different behaviors and habits that you know you do not need to do anymore, maybe you're not saving money, you're not being proactive with your life, maybe you're overweight, eating the things that you shouldn't be, not exercising, not going to the gym. There's tons of things we know we need to do that we're not doing. Why are we not doing it? It's a lot more, it's a lot deeper than just, oh, I'm tired. Or, you know, we, we tend to blame these external things instead of looking internal. So today, live on air, Kyle and I are going to look internal. And, live on air. And uncover some pretty 
pretty deep stuff. It's always live on air for us. It is. <laughs> um, so start with, if you could, mm-hmm. explain what we talk about when we talk about programs. Okay. So a fundamental understanding before we can dive in deep are, and you've probably heard all of us mention this on air, the term program. Think about a computer program. Someone codes in, uh, let's just say a calculator, for example, right? Someone needs to go in and code. Okay, when someone presses the one button, then presses the plus button and hits one again, on the screen we need to display two. So in terms of programming, you have one variable, and then which is the first number. You have another variable, which is the action. So plus, minus, divide, multiply. You have the third variable, which is the other number. And then the fourth variable is what the end result is going to be. The output. And so we are the same way. Every action that we take, every experience we have, every thought we have, creates a certain program, a certain thought process, a certain way of doing things. It's what creates life to be on autopilot. If you've ever been driving home one day from far away and you kind of lose track, you're not really paying attention, next thing you know you're home, but you're like, oh, I don't even remember driving. (laughs) That's your life on autopilot. In some instances, it's good. Uh, An example that I give is when you're a kid and you touch a hot stove and you burn yourself and you're like, oh my God, that hurts. What you're doing is you're creating a program. So your brain can go back and say, oh, now don't come near a hot stove because if you do, you're going to burn yourself. There's danger involved. That's a good program to have. But there's also bad programs that we can create. Uh, An example is... I know a girl who goes from one abusive relationship to another. And she always says, oh, I need to find a nice guy. You know, I I need to break out of this habit. But yet she continues going down this path. And you you talk to her and you find out her mom, growing up, her, her stepfather abused her as well. And so that's how she learned how to define love. So now, son, you introduce a nice guy to her. And it just doesn't make sense. Like, this isn't what a relationship is supposed to be like. This is fake. When When's he going to, you know, if we're yelling at each other. It's a foreign concept. We care about each other. We care about each other. Yelling equals caring. They're passionate. Yeah. And so that's that's what programs are all about. It's a, a, a way of thinking about it is, as Tony Robbins says, the minute you focus on something, you need to create a meaning for it. Now, this is all evolutionary. Because evolutionary, your nervous system needs to know what equals pleasure and what equals pain. So without thinking about it, you start creating these programs. If I, if I eat this apple, mm-hmm. it equals pleasure. If I um, touch a hot stove, it equals pain. Therefore, I know which way to go. My life becomes easier. You're, you're feeding your subconscious on, on different things that you need to do and, and not do. And I, th- I think it can be, so you talk about eating the food, right? Pleasure yeah. and pain. It's like Pavlov. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's. Do, the, do you mind explaining just for? Pavlov's theory, right? You hear a dinner bell. Mm-hmm. Ding, 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 ding. And it's time to eat. Fucking dogs come running, right? And they're, they're ready to go. <laughs> um, but a program could be something as small as I hate Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. As a kid, that's a painful experience. As an adult, your taste buds morph into something different and brussels sprouts are amazing do you have a food as a child that you hated that you enjoy as an adult i do what is it i don't know oh but there's um, probably a few yeah and this and is that's like part of that's actually part of my oh okay got it my bad i didn't even know that oh man <laughs> my bad my bad but that's something that i think is like it's 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 an example and these examples can be something as you mentioned as deep as an abusive relationship yeah to something as what may seem to be as simple as a food, but you you create an experience tied to that and a memory tied to that that stems from something that you may not even realize from years and years and years ago. Yeah. And what he says is um, if you don't consciously 
choose what the meaning of your old patterns are or what what the meaning behind an event is, your old patterns are going to automatically kick in. Hmm. So if you don't consciously say, okay, I'm having this experience. This is the meaning I'm going to give it. Your brain goes back to the past. Default gives it a meaning. Yeah. And that's what programs are. Mm-hmm. You're essentially setting up your default programs, your, your default way of thinking, your behaviors, your patterns. What you need to do is you need to proactively come up with an empowering meaning. And what that's going to do is that's going to change how you feel. Hmm. So that's that's what Kyle and I are going to do. We're going to give you some examples of things that we do right now that behaviors that we'd like to change. Track back to when did we first create those programs? Because we did in our childhood. It wasn't like we consciously said one day, you know what? I'm not going to like Brussels sprouts anymore. Yeah. Something happened. And that's what this is all about. That's what really is at the heart of personal development is once you understand this concept, this is so deep. It can change your entire life from the moment you listen to this episode to the moment it ends. If you practice this, your life will never, ever be the same again. And that's what we're going to do today on the 150th episode 150. of the GYSC podcast. you damn right. So with that, Kyle, um, who would like to go first? Man, flip a coin. You want to go? You want me to go? Um, Mine is complex. Mine is not as complex. So why don't I go first then? Okay. And then we can dive into yours. So, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that, that I've noticed about myself is when it comes to food, I eat whatever. And this isn't talking about eating... Uh, isn't about being overweight. It isn't about eating an abundance of food. It's just eating any food, even food that I know that's not good for me. So I'll go grocery shopping and, oh, look, there's a bag of pizza rolls on sale. Sure, let's buy that. It's on sale. (laughs) Is that an Indian joke? Because we're cheap? It's a Jewish joke. Oh, Indians are cheap too. (laughs) We're cheap people. Um, Kosher. But, but you know, it, drinking soda, all the things that I know I'm not supposed to do mm-hmm. or that, that I should really limit myself, I don't think twice about it. I'm hungry. Oh, cool. There's Taco Bell. I eat Taco Bell three, four times in a week. Less now, but. Um, and yeah, there was a while there. You used to you were All the time, yeah. Yeah, all about it. But there's, there's certain things that I know as an adult I should not be doing. But I still do when it comes to food. And why is that? And the thing is, I, I would go back in time. You know, when did I first start developing this? Well, before I can do that, I need to take a look at how long I've had this program. I had it all through college, all through high school. Let's rewind just real quick. How did you realize it was a program? What did you, what, how did you come to that realization just for our listeners so they can also do the same recognition? Good, good catch. When you do things without thinking about it, mm. that's autopilot. Yeah. And so I'm... Like GPS. Like, oh, I want you to bring that up. Because when you brought that up earlier, it was phenomenal. This right. is a conversation Kyle and I had before we started recording. But I, I would take a look at bringing in my grocery bags. And you wouldn't know, is this for an adult? <laughs> or is this for like a high school student who's like movie night? Dino nuggets. Bruh, you know I had to bring that up because you you just said is it, when you bring in your groceries, if you can't tell if it's for an adult or for your fucking teenage kids on movie night for someone's fucking 14th birthday or something, you know what I mean? Oh, They're delicious, I'm sure. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good time when Amit and Kyle looked in my freezer and saw Dino Nuggets. Dino Nuggets and Tater Tots. Yeah. Or, well, I don't remember what was in there. <laughs> But I'm, I'm taking a look at the stuff I'm bringing in. And sure enough, yeah, is this for an adult or is this for, for a kid? So that's when I realized, okay, why am I doing this without even thinking about it? Mm-hmm. You know, instead of me shopping based off these recipes on, on healthy foods to make, instead of, I have zero interest in buying organics. Hmm. Not because it's organic or because it's more expensive, <clears throat> but rather I've never even thought about it. Hmm. 
to me, I've never thought about what am I truly putting in my body. To me, a, a cucumber is the same as a cucumber. And so when I was bringing my groceries one day and I'm taking a look at all this junk food that I'm buying as an adult, it was like, wait, hold on. Like, I'm looking back now, I'm so fortunate that I still have the health that I do. But I should not because I'm <laughs> telling you, like, I would drink more soda than water. I never drank water. You know this. Yeah, you don't eat Pepsi's your, your jam. Yeah, I would never drink water. Or if I did, I'd have to put some like sweetener in it you or something like that. You, know? you literally bought a water dispenser to try to force yourself to make drink more water. Yeah. Your refrigerator has a water dispenser on it. Yeah. Um, and 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 all this is true. I mean, I've I've got drawers full of, you know, chips and stuff, and maybe a couple apples. And so once I started seeing this pattern, I was like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? You know, what have I? Have I always been this way? And yeah, looking back in college, I've, you know, Dr. Seuss hats. Mm-hmm. I, I got one for free if I ate a mayo sandwich. A mayo sandwich? Yep. It was a sandwich full of just bread and mayo. That and, sounds disgusting. And it wasn't just like a little bit of mayo. Oh, it was probably a whole bunch. It was like, yeah, it was like a, a, a half inch of mayo. That sounds disgusting. I ate it, won the hat, then I threw up. I've got a picture I can show you too. Oh, and me throwing up in a trash can with my doctor Seuss with his hat. Dr. Seuss hat on. Yeah, but but I did it. I I didn't think twice of it. If you look under, so in college, underneath your bed is where you keep all your snacks. And um, <laughs> that was where I kept the drugs. <laughs> Sorry. And, and sure enough, it was nothing but junk food. And I thought about why is this, and and what you do is anytime you have a behavior that you want to change. You have to get to the bottom of when did that behavior first happen? When did you first create that program? Because what happened was you did not give yourself an empowering belief. You gave yourself a disempowering belief. You know that it was disempowering because it's led to the results that you don't want right now as an adult. So I went back to middle school. Nope, still ate whatever. Went back to elementary school. Nope, still kind of ate whatever. Here's when that happened. And this is what you need to do, audiences. Once you once you have something that you know you want to work out, you got to trace it back. It happened somewhere. It's not like you woke up or it's not like you came out of the womb wanting pizza rolls. It came from somewhere. Everybody came out of the womb wanting pizza rolls. <laughs> They're so delicious. What are you talking about? Um, so it was summer vacation of me going into second grade. Second grade? Holy yeah. shit. And... My aunt and uncle were staying with me and, and my cousins. And I'm eating a pizza, right? Just like one of those Totino's like pizzas, you know. And my uncle comes by and takes a look at me. He's like, what are you eating? You know, just curiosity. I'm like, oh, just, just eating pizza. And I was kind of hiding it because, you know, you don't want him to be like, oh, can I have a slice, you know? Mm-hmm. Little did I know is the complete opposite. Um, and he looks at me. And just gets a smile on his face. He's like, oh, pizza. And he just gets this like fantastic look about him. Just like almost like a daydream. He, he looks so happy. And he's like, you better enjoy this now while you still can. Because you can't as an adult. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. But looking back now. And, and audience, please know. I'm not blaming him. He, it, even if. He said that to me today. There, there's no insult. There's no ill will behind it. But to me, as as a kid going into second grade, you better enjoy this now while you still can. Because as an adult, you won't be able to. So you put this on a pedestal. So I was like, wow. I need to take advantage of being a child. I need to eat everything I can. I need to eat all the things that, you know, as, as a kid, quote, I'm allowed to. And because of that, he never said, you better enjoy this now because you're a kid. And once you turn 18, you won't be able to anymore. And he said that, I think once I turned 18, I would be a lot healthier. But he said, why you still can. And here I am all these years later. Believing you still can. Believing I still can. There's no deadline. There's no... 
enjoy this while you're, you know, 10, 20, you know, 30, what, whatever the case may be. And it was because of that that, you know, looking back now, I think that's also a reason why maybe I'm a bit childish at heart as well. This this past Christmas, my, my girlfriend got me a SpongeBob SquarePants coloring book. Because that's exactly what you wanted. But I love. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's things like that that maybe, and we, we've done tons of episodes on how to, you know, see the seeing the world through the eyes of a child. Which is fantastic. Em- embracing your inner childhood, you mm-hmm. know? It's because I never realized, like, I'm an adult now. Even now, I still don't believe I'm an adult. So here's this program that I've been running to where you can eat whatever you want. Hmm. Because there was no real, like, I better take advantage of this while I still can. Wow. And so that is why... I'm still going to Taco Bell all the time. That's why, you know. Taco Bell, in their defense, they're kind of delicious. And and they are, they constantly get one of the, the highest ratings for being a healthy fast food. And Relative you know, to, yeah. Yeah. And I still, when I go there, I, I make healthier choices. Um, Relative. You know. But <laughs> but that's, that's where that originated from. Hmm. And... Here's how I've learned to rewrite that. Because here's the thing, and and I'll say it again. If you don't consciously choose what things mean, your old patterns show up. So come up with an empowering meaning and you change how you'll feel. So the program that I created back when I was, you know, just this eight-year-old kid, seven-year-old kid, was enjoy all the food that you can. Because I saw the look on my uncle. He looked so happy. But knowing that he couldn't eat that, he looked so sad. I didn't want to feel that sad. That was a mm. horrible look. So I only want the good feeling. I'm only going to eat the good food. Which, you know, turns out to be bad. So so here's the meaning that I give this now. And and this is not easy to do. But now, and, and you hinted at this a little bit earlier, I'm able to enjoy more complex flavors. For me, one of one of my most favorite things to eat now is a nice Waldorf salad. <laughs> right? But you give a Waldorf salad to a kid, and they're going to run the other way. Yeah. It's green. Why would I eat this? Where do you get them from? Waldorf salads? Yeah. There's a place I really like up in uh, Redmond. Okay. Uh, uh, Coho Salmon? Or something like that is the name of the restaurant. It's called Coho Salmon. Or Coho Cafe or something like something? that. Okay. Yeah. Um, theirs is fantastic. Huh. Um, with nice candied walnuts. Um, Bruh. But here's the thing is now what you have to do is when you, when you want to rewrite a program, you have to give it a different meaning than what you've given so far. And before, the meaning that I gave is I need to take advantage of this stuff to enjoy life. I want to enjoy life. I need to enjoy these foods. But eating pizza rolls and, and all that kind of bad stuff now, how does that really make me feel physically? Mm-hmm. Physi- okay, I'm going to get heartburn now. I'm going to be like, you know what? I feel groggy. I feel kind of sluggish. I don't feel that good. I, my, it's hard to focus. So now the meaning that I give myself is nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels. Ooh, I like that. So again, nothing tastes... I'm going to write that down. Nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels. There's a... Do I want to go to a round table pizza, all-you-can-eat buffet? Heck yeah, I do. And the only times I go there is when Jake Peterson calls me. But... um. <laughs> but do I want to go there all the time? Yeah. But how do I feel afterwards? Eh, you know, Terrible. not the best. The only reason why I go is because Jake loves that place. And, you know, he's he's my buddy. That's that's our chance to kind of hang out. But you love the salad. I, I, I go to... I'm the only guy who gets the salad bar whenever mm-hmm. we used to go. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, and it's it's true. Because when you, when you eat that, you feel completely different. 
You act 100%. completely different. And so that's what this is all about is what am I doing right now? I'm eating all this bad stuff that I know I shouldn't. Why am I doing it? Well, because in second grade, my uncle said this. What's the meaning I gave that? I better enjoy this now. Is that empowering or disempowering? It's disempowering. Mm-hmm. How do I empower it? I'm going to give it a new meaning. What he really meant is nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels. I want to be healthy. It feels good. And that's how you do it. Hmm. And audience, please know, this isn't something that you can just flip the switch and do. No. Kyle and I are experts, as we talked about at the beginning of this episode. 150 episodes deep, baby. So that's, that's my story, Kyle. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Oh. Yeah, you... Um, I really love the quote that you that you created to empower yourself. Nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels. I, I feel like that can apply to anybody, even people who don't have this story that you created that came from somewhere in second grade from your uncle when you were eating whatever you were eating, pizza rolls and dino nuggets and pizza, See, tater what, tots. <laughs> what if every time before you ordered a meal, you looked at that quote? You would definitely... Man, you would you would rewind those thoughts and you would come back to it and you would say, okay, wait a second. You know, what What do I want to do? Uh, it's kind of goofy or gross. That's not really gross, but it's goofy. Something I say is eat food that gives you good poop. <laughs> you talk about heartburn. Yeah, that's right? true. That's true. It's painful. Yeah. Why would you want to eat a bunch of hot wings mm-hmm. and be on a toilet like, oh my God, I don't eat hot wings. Because hot wings you, are delicious. They are. They're always worth it. Eat food that gives you good poop, yeah. you know? Um, man, so I wrote I wrote a couple of things down. A couple of them had to do with food, too. But the, the primary one here is, and I don't, I don't know exactly how to express this, but I'm kind of just going to shoot from the cuff here. Uh, so everyone's heard of the term daddy issues, right? You know, they make jokes. Oh, yeah, you know, I... Look for girls with daddy okay, issues yeah. and self-esteem issues, right? So I developed habits in my young adulthood that would have me seeking approval or validation from other women. I looked for surface-level relationships. I looked for a warm and fuzzy feeling. I looked really only for affection. And I didn't really understand what I was doing or why I was doing it. Um, I didn't consider anybody else's emotions, thoughts, or feelings, only my own. And my own self-serving actions that were intended to feed my deflated ego and feelings of inadequacy. that I didn't even comprehend or realize at the time. And about how long ago or, or age range? Oh, or man. Um, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's like high school, college type? Just out of high school, range. college, post-college. Um, around that timeline. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Early, mid-20s-ish. Um, and even a little before that, actually, probably, right? So, like, late teens, early to mid-20s. It, was, it happened for a while. Um, and so I realized some of this as well, talking to um, Simone, you know, mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, Who's the, the voice of our... Our, our intro and outro. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And she's on the other podcast. And I won't share, obviously, for respect and privacy, our conversations, but... Um, This is when I came to the realization of a lot of these things that a lot of my seeking validation or affection or um, warm and fuzzy feelings, right, stems from my mom and the fact that I felt abandonment. Um, As I've shared in the past on this podcast, my mom is a has been a struggling drug addict addicted to crack cocaine for the better part of my life since uh, I would say since I was 12 or 13 years old and 
the story that I created for the reason why my mom wasn't around or wasn't there to show me affection or love was that drugs were more important. She chose drugs over her family. She decided that this was more fun and more important to her than I was, than my brother, than my sister. Um, my dad was too busy keeping a roof over our head and keeping barely enough food in the house. And my mom wasn't doing whatever she was doing. Um, so I didn't have... And this is not to say my father was absentee. This is not the case. He was working hard. You know, we they, they purchased a home, right? We were kind of lower middle class-ish, right? I had a place to stay. There was never a fear of not being able to come home. There were nights maybe I didn't have dinner, shit like that. Um, but I had these feelings, again, of being abandoned, being unloved, um being unwanted, being inadequate. And those feelings stemmed from a female figure in my life. So I sought that same foundation from female figures that I would try to bring into my life. Um, and it led to a lot of short-term failed relationships. me a while to realize this and understand why I did some of the things that I did and why I, I gravitated towards those surface level affection driven relationships until you know several conversations and realizations of things that I chose to ignore for a long time in the story that I painted then is different than what I understand now yeah absolutely my mom made a choice to do drugs. I made a choice not to, right? Um, I'm not perfect, you know, and indulge on occasion. One of the reasons why I don't drink coffee is because I understand the addictive effects of caffeine. That's how I feel about anything in general. I don't take, I don't like to take cold medicine. I won't take nasal spray because those things have addictive properties. The only thing I take is Advil. It's 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 all because of that. So we're kind of getting a two for one here, right? Like one is a program I created that anything that is a, has an addictive property, I need to avoid because I have somebody in my family that has an addictive personality. And and that's something that you so so with programs, they're pretty much unconscious. Mm -hmm. But this is something that you consciously do now. Yeah. Because I don't want to not be able to control it and to be able to just subconsciously make that decision, right? And not even realize I'm doing it. Now, have, have you ever experienced anything or is it just a fear of, you know, I've seen what this addictive behavior can do and I'm just going to avoid it at all costs? Experience addiction, you're saying? Yeah. No. Okay. So yeah. it's just, I just need to avoid this because I've seen the ugly side of it. I, I think... Yeah, so when I was younger, um, when things like that first began, I had a rebellious phase where I was preteen and early teenage years. It was, let's drink alcohol, let's smoke weed. Um, I don't ever recall having a feeling of needing that. It was something that I did to rebel or wanted to do to fit in with other kids and older kids I hang out with uh, in, in the neighborhood on the block. And... Even as an adult, I, if I was to partake in smoking weed or drinking, it was because I wanted to, not because I felt like I needed to. And I felt like I, at any time I could say no. So after a while, I would just say no just because. And people were like, why? What's going on? No, I wouldn't even drink one beer. Wouldn't even take one hit off the weed. None of that. Just because I wanted to know that I could do that. Um. So yeah, that's, that's another piece, right? So kind of, again, kind of a two for one. The flip side of that is now as I've experienced this for quite some time and attempted to wrap my head around it, the story 
that I believe now is, yes, my mom made a decision to do drugs. That was her decision and hers alone. No one else forced her to do it. A gun wasn't put to her head and said, hey, do this, right? Um, she did it because she thought it. maybe she wanted to be experimental, something she wanted to try. And then the the evil grips of this drug, right, <laughs> removed all logic from her decision-making capabilities. So it wasn't that... I, in the past, I told myself that she actively chose these things instead of me. And now it's, yo, this is a disease and it is very, very, very powerful. It's not meaning, it's not to say that she's powerless and can't do anything about it, because she still can. She still has to empower herself to make the decision to get off of the addiction that she has today. But it doesn't mean that I'm inadequate and that she wouldn't have chosen me had it not been for this terrible disease. And that is something now I think that breathed new life back into me, that allowed me to have meaningful two-way adult relationships that I wasn't able to have with someone of the opposite sex in the past. Um... Yeah, I don't really know how to cap it all off, but I mean, that's kind of where it's at. It's kind of a jumble. It's a mess. It's a little complex. It's not um, an easy picture to paint. And and so let, let's talk about let's talk about the women, mm-hmm. right? You realize that in your childhood, you felt a sense of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Because you were second fiddle to these things that were taking your mom away from you. Yeah. What was there one moment where you kind of, you know, kind of, kind of like, was there one more of a of like what my uncle said, or, mm. or one moment that you can trace back to where you're like, you know what? Like, yeah. Um, my brother and I, and my sister as well. And, and how old were you guys at the time? Oh, man. Um, or just I'll, Yeah, I'll get to that in a second, okay. but I was painting a, a short picture. Um, my mom and dad both played sports in high school. My dad was really good at soccer. My brother is pretty goddamn good. Um, but all three of us played, like, all sports. Basketball, soccer. Baseball, you know, whatever. Fairly athletic. Not really great at anything, but I'm decent at all. You know, I could play whatever. Um, I played soccer as a kid, and I was probably... um, I was in middle school, so I was probably between 10 and 12 or so. And I never had a consistent ride to or from soccer practice because my dad was working. And my mom was getting high. So I would have to rely on my grandparents to take me to soccer practice or pick me up. But I also, because I had those same feelings of inadequacy and abandonment, I didn't think I was worth the bother or the hassle to ask them for a ride to practice. Um, So it became an embarrassment to me that I was the last kid at soccer practice waiting to get picked up because our mom was too busy getting high. And that hurts a lot. Um, It's easier to talk about today because for so long I just suppressed it and I I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't say any of these things. And this is something I don't share with everybody either, but everyone's listening is going to hear this (laughs) shit, right? This is therapeutic for me now. (laughs) Um, But I... um, feel like it's kind of on a need to know basis right you know i don't i'm not afraid to share that with people but it's not it's just, heavy hey it's how's heavy. it going you know oh yeah. by the way hey, you guess know. what i grew up you know it's heavy shit not everybody needs to know necessarily but i'm again I'm not afraid to share it anymore at, at this point but the magnitude of that experience as a child was not that the story wasn't 
hey, I've got a single mom at home that is working three jobs and she can't make it to pick me from soccer practice. That's a little embarrassing, but that is a more inspiring story. Your mom wants to work her ass off to provide for you and, and put food on the table and get you in sports so you stay off the streets or whatever the, the case may be, right? My story was, yeah, my dad was working his ass off. He was working swing shift at the time. And soccer practice was, of course, after fucking school, during swing shift. And, of course, when my dad's gone and at work, what's my mom doing? Indulging in a drug habit she's trying to hide from her husband. While leaving her fucking kid at soccer practice. I quit playing soccer. It wasn't like a star player or nothing, right? But it was something I enjoyed to do. Um, so I would say the moment that I really, truly felt abandonment and inadequacy was those moments. Soccer practice was at Bernie Elementary off of, um, I don't even remember what street it is. Some South Tacoma near the mall um, off of a uh, fucking between 48th and 56th and, uh, it's, it's somewhere street. in Tacoma. I don't remember the street. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, but that's where it was at. Um, so, yeah. That was pretty powerful moments. And so the... What what program did that lead to? Oh, it led to that. Me having those exact feelings of abandonment and... Seeking validation, seeking approval, seeking worth. Yeah. Um, there's lots more adjectives and I can't really think of right now, but you name it and it's there. And so have you had a chance to reflect back on that and give it a new meaning? Because, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know how many serious girlfriends you had before, mm-hmm. you know, but... You had to face that program, either consciously or subconsciously, when Emily became more than just a girl you were talking to. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you meet a girl, there's there's certain certain levels of you know. First, you're you're kind of talking to a girl, yeah, and then you're kind of seeing a girl, and then you know you're kind of with a girl, you know, and and Emily has has broken through each of those layers and, and has continued in your life to be upgraded to the next level. Yeah. And so you had to either consciously or subconsciously evaluated your your programming, which I want the audience to know, any anytime you are going against your programming, it's it's not just, oh, is this serving me or is it not serving me? It's stuff that you're doing without even thinking about. It's what your gut is telling you to do. And so if you've had this behavior of being a certain way with, with girls because of the abandonment, what did, did you have a moment where, where you didn't know what to do with Emily? Or did, did, like, did it just continue happening and, and maybe it just escalated? To where it is now without really thinking about it? Like, what was your journey on on that? Yeah. If if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. So in this current relationship, so yeah, uh, the the way I was able to slowly transition was to realize that, you know, hey, it wasn't a 100% conscious decision by my mom to abandon me. It was, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was this addiction that was making choices for her. Once she became addicted, right? She wasn't making, she wasn't behind the wheel anymore. She was in a passenger seat. Of her own life. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I wasn't even in the car. Wow. Um, so upon realizing that, right, I, I began to realize, hey, I don't need to seek self-worth in women or validation in women, you know, um, I have that on my own and I begin to accept that. And as I became a young adult and developed a strong relationship with my dad and everything else, um, you know, everything was copacetic. From a relationship standpoint with Emily and I, the 
I would say to me, one of the biggest turning points in our relationship was my 30th birthday. Um, I don't remember what materialistic gift she got me. And it's not even important because I don't care. And anyway, if that hurts your feelings, I'm sorry, but it's not. Didn't mean anything to me. Sorry, that was really, really bad. But I hope you understand where I'm going with this. The actions you showed me meant more than anything you could have ever done. Um, she got with all of my closest friends at the time. And everybody went in and rented a big-ass house on Orcas Island in the San Juan Islands. Mm-hmm. For the weekend. And the only thing I wanted to do for my birthday that year, I was like, I don't care what we do, but I got to golf. If we ain't golfing, I'm pissed. I'm not fucking with y'all no more. We got to golf somewhere (laughs) and have a good time. So Sam and Ryan were, you know, everybody was in on it. It was a big surprise. Sam and Ryan were uh, my escorts, I guess, if you will. We went up to Seattle. We went and ate at um, uh, Paseo. Got Cubans there, mm. drove up to Anacortes and hopped on the ferry, and we went and we went golfing same day on Orcas Island at a nine hole course that was there on the island. It was great. We had a good time. They drove back. Sam was telling me the story about it was his cousin's husband's house or some shit like that. We get there, everybody's in the house, flip the lights on, surprise, boom, balloons, streamers up, liquor bottles, a keg. Emily's there, Nate's there, Ava's there, um, my brother, Tone, Chris. Simone's living in Vegas at the time when she flew out and came out. Um, and it, it, the level of effort and planning that she had to put behind this really showed me how much I meant to her and how important I was in her life. And I was like, man, you can let your guard down a little bit more now. She's for real. Because even though I had learned from this past experience, I had still kept a guard up a little bit. And that was really, truly a moment for me when I was just like, wow, she's something special. And it was just, it was an amazing birthday weekend. I'll never forget it. Because the, the... I'm all about that experience. So she could have got me a million dollars, and I don't remember. I would have spent it anyway. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, It's so fascinating because there are things that, that we know hold us back in life. Mm -hmm. And I think the majority of the people will use those as crutches and and as a handicap instead of knowing all you have to do is rewrite it It takes a fraction of a second to completely change your life around and i've seen this in seminar when people understand an event happens it's events are meaningless there's no meaning behind it when my mother passed away, there was it just happened. You know, I, I, I don't mean by like timeline wise. Yeah. <laughs> but here's a woman I call my mom. She's breathing one minute. The next she's not. That's it. There's, you know, just one woman passing away. That's the event. What's the meaning I give that? And I, I, I would say for the, for the vast majority of the people, the meaning is this is such a sad moment. Here's this woman who I've known my entire life, who I'm alive because of, who is now gone. I'm never going to get a chance to, to hug her again or, or give her a kiss or, or tell her I love her. Never. No matter what I do, I will never get that opportunity to, to even know what her scent is like. Hmm. I will never know that's, that. That's something powerful. Right? And I think... The, the majority of the people are going to give that meaning. They're going to they're gonna be surrounded by, by sadness and, and regret. 
And because of that, it's going to drastically change your relationship with, with all women moving forward, especially women who are older. You're going you're gonna to shy away from developing stronger relationships with them. Like I've, I've seen other people who have done that with, with like a mom passing away, and then they tend to distance themselves from their grandma if, if like a mm. grandma's still alive because, oh. They don't want that same emotion again. So therefore, I'm going to remove myself. And I didn't do that, nor did I, and I'm going to say this, allow my sister to feel the same. During my mom's funeral, my sister and my dad and I are standing up there kind of, you know, next to my mom. And, and I'm looking across at like 60 plus people, you know, family and stuff like that. And everyone's like crying and sad and stuff like that. And I'm talking to my sister the whole time because I want her to be aware because right now she's emotionally vulnerable. And I tell her, I was like, why do you think everyone else is crying and we're not? Because I can tell you, we were doing more to console the people there than, than we're doing it for us. And I'm like, why do you think that is? And she's like, I don't know. You know she, she's not fully processing stuff. And, and I understood that. But mm-hmm. I still asked her because I needed her to be in that kind of state of wonderment. And I said, there's, there's two things driving them right now. One is regret. They're looking at, at mom and they're like, wow, like, you know, I, I could have had a stronger relationship with her or I, or I could have uh, hung out with her more, got to know her better, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. And then the other thing, so, so that's one thing. They're, they're full of regret. And you and I should not be sad right now. Why? Because out of everyone here, we got a chance to get to know her the best. That woman was amazing. And none of them knew her as well as we did. That's awesome. And second, even bigger than their regret, is they are now aware of their own mortality. Especially like all my cousins and stuff, you know, we, this was the first major loss that we've had in our kind of extended family. And they're all looking at their parents now. And my mom wasn't even the oldest, you know? And so that's what they're going through right now. And so again, where are we? You know, we got a chance to get to know her and take a look at everything that this woman has done for us. It's, it's amazing. Even on Facebook. A lot of my friends knew knew my mom, and she passed away two days before Christmas. And so even then, people are like, oh, Christmas is ruined forever for you. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with anything. But when I put it on Facebook, I put, you know, and I waited like a week afterwards because of Christmas. Yeah. And I was like, my mom passed away. I knew, I know a lot of you guys knew her. Do me a favor. If you knew her, write a positive message here. If you didn't know her, but you knew, but you know my dad, my sister, or I, Leave something positive about our involvement in your life. And sure enough, like you've got like a hundred comments of just this positive stuff about the impact of this woman. And every now and then when I'm missing her, I'll go back and read those. Oh, they probably come up on the memory thing too every year. Uh, Oh, I didn't know about that. I mean, I guess it does, but. Yeah. And I read through those and I get so happy. I'm smiling ear to ear. And I told people, please don't say anything like I'm sorry or, you know, my apologies or condolences. I don't want any of that stuff, only positive stuff. And sure enough, every now and then you had people like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And it just brings you down. I don't want that stuff. Hmm. And so the, the reason why I bring that up is an event happens. This woman passes away. What's the meaning I can give this? I can give it uh, uh, what everyone else is going to do and give it a disempowering one of of hurt and um, and not having that that mother in your life anymore. What's our family going to be like now? Now I'm going to distance myself and protect myself. Hurt, pain, confusion, anguish. Yeah, I can do that. Is that empowering or disempowering? It's disempowering, positive or negative. It's negative, Mm -hmm. constructive or destructive, destructive. Mm -hmm. Or I can give a positive meaning to this and right in that moment help my sister who's younger than me create a positive memory from this as well. And what's the memory that we have? We're luckier than everyone here because we got a chance to get to know this woman. And I can tell you now, even when we talk about my mom, we're, I don't know if I've ever shed a single tear. Hmm. Probably, 
probably the only time I did was when my dad called me from India when they were in India. And they're like, hey, I just want you to know we went to a doctor and they think, you know, they're telling us mom's got pancreatic cancer. Oh, this is before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they called, he called in November. I didn't know what pancreatic cancer was. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'll, you know, hung up the phone. I was like, okay, you know, I, I wonder what the treatment is. No treatment. It's, you know. Yeah. And I'm so, so thankful that she came back to America and within a month she was gone. And I'm so thankful for that. The reason why I'm saying that is pancreatic, your body's shutting down. And it's one of the most painful deaths that you can have. And it can take years. Hmm. And so, so thankful for that. So here's what this is all about. We have these meanings. We have these events that happen all the time that go from something major to something insignificant. From mother passing away, mother abandonment, to what am I going to eat? But it's the meaning that we give those things that, that go on to shape our lives. And knowing what you know now, you can rewrite your history. And because that completely rewrite your future. What's the meaning you're going to give these events? Is it empowering or disempowering? If it's negative, if it's destructive, rewrite it. Kyle and I just did that right in front of you. Yeah. And we both shared sad stories. We're both sitting here smiling right now yeah. in, in a reflective way. Because we, from these stories came positivity, right? I mean, you you have this to think about. Like, veganism is more popular now than it has ever been by far. It's because people focus on what they put in their body. And you have this experience from your childhood it reminds you of your uncle to think about, to tell you, to think about what you're putting in your body. And that's, that's huge. Hmm. Definitely nothing but positive things will come of it. Yeah, they, they may be some painful memories. It may be challenging experiences that you've gone through. Um, but growth will come of it. A ton of growth, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I'm at today without it. Without the realization, without that experience, I wouldn't have the appreciation that I have right now for the beautiful woman who is probably in bed right now at our at our home. So I'm thankful for it. Hopefully alone. Better be alone. <laughs> <laughs> More feelings of abandonment. <laughs> why we're laughing at it. This is why she doesn't oh. listen to the podcast. I know. It's like, oh, Cons are recording. Come on over. Yep. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Too funny. Man, well, that was... Um, we went a little long there, but I think it was important that we did. Oh, wow, we did. Episode yeah. 150. I think it was important. Well, with that, my man... I don't really think I have anything left. I mean, this episode was all about why we do the things that we do. We're uncovering some of the keys to every decision that we make today and how our, how our past shapes those decisions. It's all about the programs that we've created. Habits that we do today are created when we're a child. Another small one. Do you know that I never, ever buy block cheese. I love cheese. Yeah. Do you know why I don't buy block cheese? No. I don't think I'm worthy of block cheese because block cheese costs more per pound than hamburger. And block cheese is not a meal for a family, but hamburger helper is. So I can get a box of hamburger helper and a pound of hamburger yeah. for less than the cost of a block of cheese. So I associate block cheese with being too expensive. Because when I was a kid, I wanted cheese. Kids love cheese. My dad wouldn't buy it. No. It yeah. costs more than what I can pay for a dinner for our family. It's little things like that. That's a great example. It's why today I don't buy block cheese. I don't buy cheese very often at all. 
Yeah. If I do, I get a little thing of shredded cheese or making tacos or something or whatever. I don't know. Um, and sometimes sliced cheese. But, yeah, it's just one of those weird things. Be something as small as that, something as large as mommy issues. So with that, we want to thank y'all for listening this week. And for those who have been here since day one. Yeah. 150 episodes deep. We appreciate y'all. We love the support. Um, we love the feedback. Keep giving us keep giving us input on what you think. Review it. Send us an email. Write a letter. Snail mail. Send it to Rohit's home address. Where the office is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Tune in next week for some more fantastic material. Episode 151. Rohit's favorite drink. Rum. Rum. Bacardi rum. Rum. And with that, we'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our GYST podcast. We hope you learned how to get your together. 